morning, I was just thinking about a time when I was in comprehensive school. And I used to go to school with a, with a, a guy called Smiler. Everybody called him Smiler in the school. Because he had a permanent smile on his face. Every time you looked at him, he was smiling. In fact, he smiled so much, even the teachers called him Smiler. I didn't know his real name. Smiler wasn't his, 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 the name that he was born with, that his mum and dad named him. But I didn't know his real name, and I don't think anybody else did. I mean, when he checked into class and the names were read out on the register, his name would be called out, Smiler! They wouldn't call his real name out, Smiler, are you here? And there he would be, smiling from ear to ear. Yes, sir, I'm here. Incredible. Well, one day I remember asking Smiler why he had a permanent smile on his face. I said, Smiler, can I ask you a question? He said, yeah, go ahead, Dave. I said, how is it that you are always smiling? I mean, irrespective of the weather, whether the sun's out in the sky or whether it's tipping down with rain, whether you're having a good day or a bad day, Smiler, you're just continually smiling. How is it possible for you just to continually smile? I mean, we all come to, to, to school grumpy and wishing we weren't here, and there you are just beaming with this big smile from ear to ear. And he looked at me smiling. And he said, well... He said, I just guess I was born this way. And walked off, listen, just walked off smiling. You know, I was thinking about that this morning. And um, I think the times in which we live and the way that the Holy Spirit is bringing His Word to us and to His church at this time, I think as we see the wonder of God's Word, and our eyes are opened and our, our, our understanding is enlarged as to the goodness of God in our lives, I think the smile is going to come back on the face of God's people. And it's, it's going to be, it's going to, it's going to be empowered by an inner life, an inner river, an endless river of life that comes from God's Spirit and the living Word of God within us. We're going to be a church of smilers. Church is going to be the happiest place in the whole world to be. And people are going to be drawn to it. There's going to be a magnetism about the church and about the people of God when they gather together. It's not going to be strange in the times in which we live for people to come up to you and just want to be with you to be in your presence. Of course, it won't be just your presence that they want to be in. It'll be the presence of Jesus in you that they want to be around, that they want to be close to. They'll pick up on this joy. They'll pick up on this happiness. They'll pick up on this gladness of heart that you carry into your every day. And they want to be with you. And they want to be a part of the family of God. We're going to see it. The church of God, the people of God, 
are going to be the most happiest, joyful people to be around. And don't be surprised when people call you Smiler. Hey, Smiler, you got this permanent smile on your face. Tell me about the smile, and you'll be able to tell them that it's a smile that you've been born with. Hallelujah. Because you've been created in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, are you ready for God's Word this morning? We're in this series of messages that we're calling The Greatest Exchange. And earlier this week, as I was just traveling in the car, the beginning of the week, I asked the Holy Spirit, I said, Holy Spirit, please, would you help me to, to frame this word with a title? I really didn't know what to call this message today. So I just asked the Holy Spirit. I rarely do this. I don't, I don't know if I've ever done this. But on this occasion, driving my car down the motorway, I just said, Holy Spirit, what can I call today's message? And like a flash, suddenly the Holy Spirit spoke up within me and said these words on the inside, friends in high places. Friends in high places. That's what you have. You have friends in high places. That's the title, the message this morning. That's what we're going to be talking about. That title is going to frame everything that I say to you this morning. You have, we have friends in high places. You know, just thinking around this message this week, I, my mind went back to the times when we as a family go to London. And every time Faye and I go to London, we always make it a point to visit Buckingham Palace. Every time, without fail. We walk down the long tree-lined mall towards that great impressive palace. And, you know, we just enjoy the walk as we are approaching it. And then finally, when we get to the palace... Without fail, we put our hands on the railings and we press our faces into the railings, looking into the palace in the hope of seeing one of the royals. We do it without fail. We've done it for years. We've done it in the sunshine. We've done it in the snow. We've done it in all weathers just to get a glimpse of one of the royals. I think secretly within ourselves, we're hoping for maybe someone to pull the curtains back from the window and go, I can see you. I think one of the bigger hopes is that one of them single us out. Hey, Dave. Faye, can see you, can see you standing there, pressing your face against the railings, wanting to come in, coming on in, come in, we want to welcome you, we can see that you've come here 
year after year after year in the hope of just seeing one of us. And now we want to invite you on in, coming in. I think that's one of our secret hopes. It certainly is mine. When I press my face against those railings, my imagination goes into overload. And it begins to imagine, what if? What if I got an entrance and an audience to see the king? What would it be like? My imagination goes in all kinds of directions to imagine these things. Well, it's never happened yet. And it probably won't ever happen. Probably won't ever happen because in order for you to get into the palace, in order for you to have an introduction and an invitation or an introduction to see the king, you have to have an invitation. You have to have an invitation to see the king. There's no way that you can get into have an audience with our king or with any royal unless you are invited, unless you are introduced. And that invitation has to be issued by the king himself. If you try to jump over those railings, if you try to have an unlawful entry, if you try to go into the presence of the king uninvited, you're not even going to get probably over the railings before you get arrested and taken to prison. You have to have an invitation in order for you to have access to the king. Somebody has to come from the inside to the outside and escort you in to his presence. There's no other way other than that. Well, I'm here today to tell you that whilst you may not have an audience with an earthly king, whilst you may never get an invitation, whilst you may never receive access or an introduction to an earthly king, Jesus Christ has come from heaven. Jesus Christ has died on the cross. And as we read in Romans chapter 4, verse 25, a number of weeks ago, Jesus Christ was delivered up for our offenses and raised for our justification. Jesus Christ came from heaven with one purpose, to reconcile you and I to God, to bring us into the very throne room of God, to enable us to stand justified, holy, blameless, and without fault before His very throne of grace. We looked at that in Colossians chapter 2 last week. God has three things to say about your life. You're holy. You're blameless. And you're without fault. You stand before His throne of grace. In that way, you've been brought in through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. You have friends in the highest place of all, not in an earthly palace made by the hands of man, 
but you have access and friendship in, uh, with friends in the highest place of all, not, not made with earthly hands, but the very presence of God itself you walk into freely because Christ has reconciled you to God through his own, his own blood. He's brought us in. Today, we have access because of Jesus. And there's no other place, no higher place than this in the universe. Think of it for a moment. There is no higher place. There is no higher place in the universe other than the presence of God. And the Bible, not just in what Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5, which we're going to go to in a moment, but the Bible explicitly tells us this on many occasions over its pages. There is no higher place in the universe other than the presence of God, and you have been brought into His presence through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. You really have. It's time to realize it. It's time to remind yourself of it. It's time to relish it and enjoy it and live in the fullness of it. You're no longer separated from God. You're no longer at odds with God. You're no longer at distance with God. You have been brought in. You have friends in high places. Last week we looked at Romans chapter 5, verse 1. And from what Paul says in verse 1 of Romans 5, we made the point that we have an unbreakable connection now with God because we have peace with Him through our Lord Jesus Christ, right? You have an unbreakable connection with God. You can listen to the message, last week's message, if you want to just remind yourself about that. You have an unbreakable connection with God because you have peace with Him through our Lord Jesus Christ. You can't even mess it up. We can mess a lot of things up, but you can't even mess this peace up because it has been finished and established forever by Jesus Christ through his cross. You have an unbreakable connection with God. Now, added to this unbreakable connection that we have with God, the next point that we're going to make today is that we've also been invited and introduced. We've been invited and introduced into God's grace through our Savior and Redeemer, Jesus, this is what Paul wants to tell us in Romans chapter 5, verse 2. And this is the second point that we're going to make today as we read verse 2 of Romans chapter 5. Listen to how Paul describes this for us in the first part of verse 2. Romans 5, verse 2, he says this, Through Jesus, whom also we have access to, by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. In just one line, just this one line of 
Verse 2 of Romans 5, Paul is packing so much truth into just so few words because he's talking about now our eternal position before God. And it's striking and immiscible to see on reading these words that God does not want to have a long-distance relationship with any one of us. God wants, God wants to relate to us up close, personal, and intimate, for us to reside forever with Him in His presence. And that's why in Christ, different message, but I'll just throw it out there, He lives in us, you see. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us. God doesn't want to have any kind of long-distance relationship with any single one of us. So He comes into us as we open our heart and receive Him by faith. He's forever in us, and we are in Him. That's what the Word says. That's what God's Word and promise tells each and every one of us. God doesn't want to hold any one of us at arm's length. Paul is making this very clear here in verse 2. That added to our unbroken connection with God, now we also have been invited and introduced into God's grace through Christ Jesus. We've been brought in, brought in. Jesus came from heaven. He came out of heaven into earth and was subject to all of the weaknesses and challenges that we were subject to. He became flesh. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And then He was crucified and died in a way that no other person could die. Gave his life for us. And as a result of dying and rising victorious over death, he justified us as we placed our faith in him. And now, as a result, he's brought us in. He's invited us and introduced us into the presence of God. And this word access that Paul uses in verse 2 is the Greek word prosago. And it means to be introduced into the presence of someone who holds great importance, like royalty. Paul says we have access. You and I have access to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It means we've been introduced, not to someone of just great importance, and not to someone just like an earthly king. We've been introduced to God. We've had access through Jesus Christ. This is not just a reality that awaits each and every one of us beyond the grave, and that is a glorious hope, and that will be so. But this is a present reality. Paul is talking in the immediate continual tense. He says, we have, not we will have. He says, we have. We have access to God right now 
Every day, every moment of every day, you and I have access to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Everything about life tries to steer us away from this understanding. Everything about the troubles and the trials that we go through in our feelings and our emotions tries to turn us and deny the truths and the facts and the realities of what Christ has done for us through His death and resurrection. But Paul says, We've ha- we have access. We have access right now. And our introduction has come through Him to God. The only way in to God's presence is through the favor of an invitation. An invitation of one who is close, very close, on the inside. An invitation has to be granted. An invitation has to be given. In order for us to gain access, in order for us to come in and receive our introduction, You gain access, not through your own merit, not through your own worth, but through the merit and the worth of another. Only they can escort you and introduce you and bring you in and reconcile together that which was apart. Paul's thought is obvious when he uses this word access as he pictures Jesus taking us into the very presence of God, leading the way for us to give us our own personal introduction to God. Jesus doesn't take us into the presence of God, the holiest place of all, in groups of a hundred like some mad tour guide trying to get people through as fast as possible. Quick, quick, come through. Others need to come in. No, Jesus doesn't take us in groups of a hundred, in groups of a thousand. Jesus takes us into the very holy of holies to stand before God one by one. It's a personal introduction because you are the apple of His eye. Each one of us he prayed for with his own blood. The price of payment. We cannot imagine. Peter tells us, thinking about this, he says, you have been purchased, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus, but with imperishable things such as the precious blood of Jesus. It's almost as if he looks at silver and gold and he says, that has no use in the presence of God. That has no use or value in the kingdom of which we are a part. It's almost as if he casts it down and treats it as unimportant. His eyes and his imagination are filled to understand the value of Christ's shed blood on the cross. 
He said, you've been purchased. You have been redeemed with Christ's own blood. And payment was made for your life as an individual for Christ to introduce you, for Christ to bring you on in and, and, and give you that first introduction to God. We're not taken into the presence of God in groups. It's a personal escort by our Lord and Savior. By our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Worthy is the name. You deserve the praise. He's so worthy. My God, He's so worthy. Worthy is the name. Jesus, you deserve the praise. Worthy is your name. Worthy is your name. Jesus, you deserve the praise. Worthy is your name. Hallelujah. Oh, he's so worthy. He is so worthy. Hallelujah. You've received a personal introduction. You've been taken in to God's very throne room. We've gone in one by one. Do you remember Jesus' words in John chapter 10, verse 9, when he said, I am the door. Now, I'm sure when people heard that, they kind of scratched their head and thought it's strange. What a strange thing to say about your life, Jesus. I am the door. It's a bit unusual. It's a bit of an odd description to liken yourself to a common everyday door. Why would you do that, Jesus? Why would you liken yourself to the door, to a door? Why would you parallel yourself to something that is so everyday, that is so unnoticed? I mean, we just use doors every day. We go in and out of them. You came in through a door this morning. You came from the outside and you came on in into this auditorium. You're going to be using all door you're going to be using doors all day today. You wake up tomorrow and you're going to use them again tomorrow in so many ways. And you're not going to pay attention to any of the doors you go through or any of the doors that you use. Why? Because it's just a matter of fact. It's just every day. It's a common means of exiting one environment and entering into another. You just use it. Jesus. See, anything he takes to himself, he transforms. Anything he takes to himself, he magnifies in a way that is wonderful and glorious. He says, I, I am the door. Have you ever heard any other human being say that about their lives? I am the door. 
You ever met anybody that has ascribed that to themselves personally? Have you ever have you ever listened to any cult leader or any religious figure down throughout time that has said, I am the door? No, only Jesus could say, I am the door. Only he. When he said it, he was stating the truth and declaring it forever. That through him we have an exit from an old sinful life outside of God. And as we walk through the door, we exit one type of life and we enter into another type of life. We exit a life outside of God's presence and we go through the door, Christ Jesus, the reconciler, the sin bearer, the Lamb of God, the Savior, the Redeemer, the Ancient of Days, the Darling of Heaven. We step through Him, justified, holy, blameless, brand new, faultless before the throne of grace, transformed, born again, forever, standing now, confidently in the presence of God. I am the door. It makes perfect sense when you realize that you have access through Christ Jesus, as Paul declares in Romans 5 verse 2. I am the door makes perfect sense when you understand that Jesus is your way in, when, when you understand that Jesus is your way through, when you understand that Jesus is the means through which you are escorted to God and introduced, reunited, and reconciled. He's the door. And we've all walked through Him. We're all in God, in the holiest place of all, having friends in the highest place because He became the open entry point, the doorway into God's presence forever. He's the door. He's the way in. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 13 and verse 19, put it like this, Paul again speaking. He says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away or far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Verse 19, now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You're in God's house. You're part of His household. You're not a foreigner. You're not a stranger. You're not out in the cold, clasping at the railings, pressing your face, hoping to get in. No, you've been singled out. You have been singled out. Your name, your name was on the palm of his hands when the nails went into it. Your, your name was in his heart that he carried. And he said, one day, one day, I know that they're going to go on a road that, that seems so far away from me, but one day I'm going to take them, reunite them, and introduce them to God forever. And they're going to walk through me. They're going to exit one life and enter another into my holy presence. We have an unbreakable connection with God because we've been justified by faith. We have peace 
with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Then secondly, added to this, as we've seen, Paul shows us that we've been invited and introduced into God's presence because we have access through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have access by faith into this grace, this wonderful grace of God that we now live in. And finally, a third point that I want to make just before we pray today is that we have a permanent place, a permanent place in God's grace. Because also in verse 2, Paul emphasizes this by using the word stand. He says, we stand in this grace. Listen again to Romans chapter 5, verse 2. Paul says, through Jesus, whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. You stand in grace. You are permanently placed in grace. Permanently placed and positioned through Christ in grace forever. Because by using this word stand, Paul is making a vital point. He's telling us that this isn't a momentary, temporary visit that we have into the presence of God's grace. This is an eternal, permanent place and position in grace that we now have, and we stand in it. We stand in it. He's not just talking about a physical posture of standing like I am doing now. He's talking about a permanent position. Like a tree, an, an oak tree is rooted and stands immovable in its place. So Paul is using this word stand in this way. He says, we stand. He says, we have access Okay, not we will have access. He says we have access now, okay, into this grace. And he says, in which we stand, not in which we will stand, in the hope of standing one day if we are good enough. No, the moment you believed in Christ, the moment that you just opened your heart and said, oh God, forgive me. Oh God, have mercy on me. Oh God, I'm away from you. Oh God, come into me. The moment you prayed that prayer, it doesn't matter how many years ago it was. It doesn't matter how much dust of time has settled upon that cry. It doesn't matter even if you don't remember the time, date, or place when you did it. The moment that you cried, the moment that you called out to God with all of your heart, the Bible says that you were given access, that you had an introduction, and not only did you have access and introduction into God's grace, 
you were permanently settled there to stand in your position forever. Hallelujah. He's not talking about a physical position. He's talking about the only way that I can parallel it is like an oak tree stands in its place and the storms can come and the wind can blow and, and, the, and, and, and time can pass, but that oak tree just stands in its place. My God, you stand, you stand permanently placed in grace. Hallelujah. In Genesis chapter 3, you can read about this when you go home. Adam was expelled, and Eve expelled from God's presence. And as a result of being expelled from God's presence, God told them that the ground that they stood on would be cursed. Adam walked on cursed ground because he'd been expelled from God's presence. He had to walk on that ground for the rest of his life. Only through pain and toil would they be able to eat from that cursed ground. Only through hard work and sweat would they be able to produce any kind of produce to eat because that cursed ground produced of itself thorns and thistles. That's all it produced. It was cursed. It was barren. It was lifeless and full of death. Sweat from Adam's brow every day as he worked to get just by just to extract a little to survive on. But when we came through the door, we left in Adam that cursed place, that ground on which we stood, once stood. When we come through the door, Christ Jesus, we step onto new ground which we now stand in. You now stand in it. Blessed ground. Ground that's full of God's goodness. Ground that's full of God's grace. Ground. Ground that produces life and blessing. Life in all of its abundance and fullness. We don't stand on cursed ground any longer. You stand in God's presence, as a recipient of God's grace, now and forevermore. You have an unbreakable connection with God because through Jesus Christ, you have peace with Him. Peace with God. You've had an invitation and an introduction to God because you've been given access through the door. Jesus Christ 
He's done it all for you because he loves you. It's a personal introduction. Handpicked you are by God, taken by the arm, and excitedly ushered into the holiest place of all, God's very presence. And God looking at you through Christ says, holy, blameless, without fault. Stand in this. You're permanently placed. Permanently placed forever in Jesus Christ. That kind of truth will put a smile on your face. Smiler. That kind of truth will give you a reason to get up every morning. That kind of truth will just give you confidence in a, life, in, in a world and in a life that seems so uncertain and so full of many changes. It'll give you confidence to smile in the face of all of life's uncertainties, knowing, knowing that you've been justified by faith in Christ, and because of that, you have peace with God, and because you have peace with God, you have access and introduction into grace in which you now stand. You're an oak, Isaiah said, because he saw our time, an oak of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. That's what you are, immovable, child of the King, bought with His with his blood. Just to finish, I'm going to ask the musicians to come right now. We're going to sing. Just as we close today. But there's a beautiful anachronism of grace that I've always loved. And it's this. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. Have you heard that anachronism before? It's very common. But what a great, what a great anachronism that is in relation to grace. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. The ground that we stand on the ground that we are permanently positioned in was paid for at Christ's expense. Can never be condemned by God. Never. You can't. You just can't. Because just judgment has already been passed over your life. You're not awaiting judgment like those outside of Christ. No, judgment has already been passed over your life, and God was the judge, and He pronounced the verdict, and He said, justified, justified, holy, blameless, faultless before my throne. All of it was paid for at Christ's expense. This is why Paul the apostle said, I just can't boast in anything else. I just can't. Give my praise and my admiration of life to anything else other than the cross 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. He lived to preach it. He lived to proclaim it. He lived to announce the death, burial, and resurrection from the dead of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because it's the greatest news that can ever be told. That man has been redeemed to God through the forgiveness of his sins as a result of the atoning sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ who died on the cross who was victorious over death and the grave and has ascended to the Father to be at His right hand forever, redeeming and reconciling us into the very holiest presence of all, God's very presence. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank You today for Your presence in this place. Lord, I thank You for Your precious precious people. Lord, each, each person here is your workmanship. You're the workmanship of God. God's masterpiece. Lord, you know that life hits us and bumps us and knocks us about. But that's not going to change anything. Your plan and your purpose for each and every one of our lives is right on time. It hasn't missed a beat. Irrespective of all the complications that might have occurred, we know that all things work together for good to those that love God to those that are called according to His purpose. So, Lord, today, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that this Word that You have brought to us today would settle in our hearts. If anybody feels condemned or guilty or ashamed, if anybody here this morning feels heavy-hearted or fearful, or depressed, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would lift it right off them right now. You would lift that burden. Because Jesus, you said, come unto me, all you who are heavy laden and burdened with life. I'll give you rest. I just pray for rest right now. Supernatural rest just to flow through the souls and the emotions of your people, that, Lord, we would now enjoy, grow, and thrive in the fact that we have access into this grace, this grace of God in which we stand because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. We give you praise and thanks. And all God's people said, listen, why don't we stand to our feet and let's give Jesus, before we sing, let's give Jesus just a shout of praise. Come on, an applause, an applause. That's right. Worthy, worthy. Come on, shout it out. Worthy is the Lamb. 
shout your hallelujahs, shout your praises, shout your thanks. We give you praise and thank you, Jesus. Amen.